Welcome to the Mensch. This is Rabbi Chaim Mensch. This is the 12th episode where I speak about things that are going on in the news. And I give you my take on it from a Jewish Torah perspective and hope that it will make you think about what's going on and you'll make the right decision and be a Mensch. But do you know this week is Labor Day? Now, where did Labor Day come from? What is this all about? If it's a day of labor, of work, why are we not working? We should be able to go straight to work. Even more so, do you know these laws that God has put into the world, how you're supposed to treat workers? For example, one of the things is, is that do you know that every single time someone goes to work, by the end of the day, by the time the sun goes down, the boss must pay the wages full to the worker. Unless the worker agrees to get it at the end of the week, or bi-weekly, or at the end of the month, Every single day, the boss has to make sure that there's money in the bank to pay for the workers. Now, how much do you pay the worker? In Judaism, you can't pay everybody the same thing. You can't give everybody $15 an hour. The, 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 the doctor gets $15 an hour. The guy who bags groceries in, in Rouse gets $15. It can't. Each person gets paid by the value of the work. Who? tells us what the value is, that is the marketplace. For example, you will not have a brain surgeon if he's only going to get $15 an hour. But you will get a lot of people bagging groceries at your local supermarket because that's an easy way to make money. What does this got to do with Labor Day? Let me tell you. Many, many years ago, many years ago here in America, when we started after the Civil War, we started having, you know, factories and starting to rich people were hiring people to work in the factories and the people who were working were working very hard that doesn't mean that they were getting paid properly so all of a sudden in 1985 believe it or not people started making the idea we need a holiday for the workers we must recognize the rights of the workers from these mo- movements, the first state that introduced legislation was the state of New York. But the first to become law was passed by Oregon, believe it or not, in February 21st, 1887. That's right. During 1887, four states, Colorado, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and New York created Labor Day holidays with big festivities, huge, the corporations would come out with these huge parties, block parties, bands. It was a celebration. By 1894, 23 more states adopted this holiday. And then eventually, on June 28, 1894, Congress passed an act, making the first Monday of September a legal holiday in D.C. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's starting to recognize the workers have to be compensated and work properly. Unions started coming together. It was really wonderful to know 
that we were able to go to some of these big people like the Vanderbilts, the Fords, that had these big companies, but they didn't pay well. It was like sweatshops. Unions came. They wanted better working places. The people on top did not want to go and pay because they wanted to have their profits. You had to pull. So eventually they started calling Labor Day celebrations like socialism, communism, because that's what was going around on the other side of the world in Russia in 1920. But the Labor Day still stayed strong. Throughout the years, the unions made big parties, corporations made big parties. It was really called Worker Appreciation Day, if you really ask. But today we have an issue. The issue is, because the unions would strike, we're not working for you anymore, car company. We're not working for you, washing machine company. We want more wages. We want health insurance. We want to have that when we retire, there's money being given to us. We want to have retirement funds. All of a sudden, what used to cost $15, $20 a worker an hour to build a car was now $40 an hour, $50 an hour. In fact, here in America today, it costs almost $84 to $90 an hour to pay for all the benefits that the union wants, plus your retirement fund, plus health and all that stuff. So if I was a boss, guess where people started going? Why should I go and pay the American worker $85 an hour when I can go and take my job to Mexico? I can take my business to the you know thailand china japan where people get paid much less and all of a sudden the american worker is starting to ask themselves who's here to protect me if the if the jobs go overseas who's going to make sure that i now can have a living wage so a lot of people cannot be on the machine line anymore we closed a lot of factories over the years. Now, all of a sudden, these people are starting to say, I'm bagging groceries in Ralph's. If you only give me $15 an hour, how am I going to support my family and pay for rent? Because $15 an hour times that by eight is only 120 bucks a day. After all the taxes that are taken off, I only come back with $70, $80 sometimes a day. Labor Day. It used to be the celebration when all the people of the workers would get out there and say, I'm proud to work for this company, but I want more. The other hand, the bosses would go and throw a big party, and it was called Workers' Appreciation Day. Today, a lot of people look at Labor Day, and they don't get it. They don't understand the importance of it. Judaism demands. When someone works for you, you got to pay them that day that they can live for tomorrow. It doesn't mean you have to make them live like kings. So am I in favor for minimum wage? It depends. Some places, minimum wage is a lot. Like I was in Sydney, in Australia, and the minimum wage deal was like $17 an hour. So therefore, I had to pay for breakfast $22 just for a bagel and scrambled eggs. 
And I said to the guy, why is it so expensive? And he said, straight up, you got to pay for my $17 an hour. Besides the rent and besides the food. So we're now having this big war, workers, salaries. The mensch says, lower the taxes on everybody so the worker can keep a lot of his money. Oh, lower the taxes? Is that a good thing? We're going to get into that in the next segment. But for right now, let's celebrate all the workers. You see, the guy at Ralph's Bag and Groceries, you need him. The lady who's going and working at the post office, you need her. Just as much as you need the person who's going to do an operation, if God forbid you need, need one, Labor Day. Workers are not dispensable. They're the engine of America. Pay them right. Pay them well. And watch the American worker become the best again in the world. God bless you. And for now, have a happy Labor Day weekend. Welcome back to The Mensch. I got a wonderful story to tell you before I get into this whole tax thing and everything that I want to say. You know, there's a story in the Talmud where it talks about the great Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. He was honored to be able to travel with Elijah the prophet from city to city and said, can I just see how you do your work for God in this world? And Elijah the prophet said, sure, join me. But the moment you ask me a question, you can't go no more. It's fine. They came to a city, beautiful city, a metropolis, wealthy people everywhere. They both walk in and they ask, do you have a place for us to stay? It seems like the hotel rooms are all taken. And they didn't even notice them. And they were bickering between themselves and fighting between themselves. And Elijah the prophet said to Rabbi Yeshua, it's time for us to get out of here. And he turned to the people of the city at the gates of the city and he goes, may you all be blessed to be kings. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi looks at Elijah the prophet but didn't want to ask the question. They come to the next city. Next city was not as rich. In fact, it was a very impoverished city. He went into the middle of the town square where everybody was gathering. And Elijah the prophet asked, he says, there's two men. Does anybody have a place for us to stay for sleep? Before you know it, everybody's saying, oh, a guest? Please come to my house. Oh, please come to my house. They were fighting between themselves. Who could take them into the home? They went to someone's home. They fed them. And the next morning when they were leaving town, Elijah the prophet goes and says, let me give a blessing to this city. May you all stay as pauper people. But Yeshua ben Levi said, I can't take it anymore. These people treated us so nice. And you asked, you gave them a blessing that you could still be considered like poor, poor people. But the people who are rich, you bless them that they should be kings. I don't get it. I don't get the ways of Elijah. I don't get the ways what God wants. Tell me. So Elijah the prophet said, you asked. We stopped traveling. But I'll answer you. Over there, everybody's bickering each other. They all think they're such important, powerful people. They don't listen to anybody. May they all be kings. And this way, they'll all destroy each other. But in the poor city, did you see how much they were working together to make sure that everybody would be well taken care of? Do you want them to become rich and not be the same way? 
May God bless them to continue being such beautiful people. So I said, may you be considered still like poor people. Today in the news, today, I'm going to talk about somebody who acted like a king in America and is literally about to be thrown out of office. Whereas another person who is a king but is acting very humble like he's in a poor place. And I'm going to tell you, I like. Let me first start with the king. Did you know today the Seattle mayor asked the state Supreme Court to stop a recall against her to get out of being a mayor? That's right. Do you know thousands of people are so upset with her? Because for whatever reason, she allowed the riots, the police were standing down, and then you had this whole village building up. And they were doing nothing to prevent the lawlessness from going on. People lost so much money, not just from the pandemic, that would have been bad enough. But to get your stores burned down, and the mayor wasn't doing anything? Acted like a king. I don't care. That's the way I want to run my city. So right now, there are petitioners going everywhere. And she's asking that the Supreme, state Supreme Court should stop it, that they, she can't be thrown out of office. Because if I'm thrown out of office, who's going to take care of the city? So she's trying to go and say she's the best to take care of the city. The state Supreme Court, if they do not stop the recall, the people of Seattle is going to have 180 days to gather 50,000 signatures. And if they get it, it will be an election. And someone will go against the Seattle mayor, Jenny Durkin, and she could be thrown out of office. You act like a king, and you don't care about anybody else, you're going to get your desserts one day. On the other hand, let me tell you about a mayor that is acting like a poor man. Believe it or not, it's the city of Los Angeles. That's right. Let me tell you what happened. LA City Council voted on Wednesday to declare a fiscal emergency and approved plans to furlough more than 15,000 city employees. And also to ask everybody for the emergency time to take a pay cut. Garcetti noted that he has declined to accept salary for the last two months. Because he said, there's no money coming in. The stores are closed. We can't just keep on taking money, 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 money. He's asking everybody from the entire city, do me a favor. For now, take a pay cut. Just take a pay cut. I got to tell you something. He was banking on money from Washington. There's a lot of money coming in from Washington, but the money that's coming in, the aid that is coming in, is mostly for helping people to take the tests for corona, that, that kind of stuff. The Democrats in Washington passed an extra trillion dollars to help pay the cities that got burnt down that they should be able to rebuild. The president goes and says, excuse me, all you needed was the mayors to go and say, police, stop it. No, we're not here to go and get the whole America to give extra money. 
so that these cities could be destroyed and the people of Wisconsin should pay for it. Mayor Garcetti sees the writing on the wall and he doesn't want to see his city fall. That's leadership, my friend. And it started with him. When you have a mayor saying, I'm taking less, then he's able to ask everybody else, until we get out of this problem, let's take a few dollars less a month. Those few dollars goes a long way in the budget. That's a mensch. That's fantastic. That I like. That is where Elijah the prophet would go and say, may you continue being thought in your head that we're poor and we got to work together and think about the bigger issue. Oh, you mayor in Seattle, you blow it. You were a king and you didn't care about nothing. Remember this story. Never act like a king, but always be there for someone else. More about that later in my closing remarks in today's show. Mayor Garcetti, I like what you did. But I got one question to ask everybody. Eventually, we're going to need more money in general. Will they raise the taxes one day? Watch your propositions coming up in November. And you decide, should the government be taking more money from you to pay for the bills or not? Be a mensch. Get out there and vote, but read the ballot. Because that is going to be one of the things we must vote on outside of president in November. God bless this country. And may God bless California. We really need it. Welcome back to the men's. This is the segment which a lot of you tell me you love when my producers ask me questions. To understand more about how this segment works, take it away, Jack, and let everybody know how this works. Hi, Rabbi. This is What Would a Mensch Do? These are quick bites asking topical questions from today's news. For the first question. A coronavirus vaccine could be coming to the U.S. as soon as November 1st. The response has been both positive and negative with concerns that the vaccine won't be effectively distributed. Rabbi, how should distribution occur? And when would you feel comfortable and confident enough to get the vaccine yourself? What would a mensch do? That's a very good question. The way to go about doing it is you go and speak, you go and give it to the people that are most likely to capture this. So if it's the elderly people, you start with them. The other thing is before they start really giving it out, don't rush it. You can't rush these things. And I think they're trying to push it at the end of October, early November. Now, is that a political move or is that real science to save lives move? I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know that yet. I haven't read into it. But do not rush this. You're playing with my life. We're playing with your life. Now, if the president... And, the, and Joe Biden, the, the vice president, and Nancy Pelosi, and all the other people in Congress take it, then I'll take it. Because these guys know the truth that this is working or not. And they would not put their life in danger. So the reality is, start with Congress and the Senate and the president. Take the vaccine. You wouldn't put your life in danger. 
and you won't put my life in danger then either. Great question. But I would first go to the elderly after that. Hi, Rabbi. A question I often get from friends who are not Jewish is why are there so many rules to keep in kosher, and why do we follow them? I'm curious if you have any opinion on the modern applications of keeping kosher both during the week and specifically for Shabbat. Beyond what the Torah commands, what are tangible benefits that come from these laws? Essentially, how do we justify laws that are given to us that others may view as arbitrary? You're asking a question in general about Judaism, and you, but you're using it basically about kosher. When God gave Judaism, Judaism is beyond our understanding why we do what we do. So whatever was important 3,000 years ago is just as important for me to serve God the same way. Why are there many laws? Very simple. You want to make sure that you do it right. Give me an example. When you love somebody, you're going to make sure you do it right without anything wrong. So you create your own laws. I'm going to do it this way, not that way, this way, that way. You're not going to bend around the laws if you really love somebody. Judaism is my relationship with God. The applications of what makes kosher food 3,000 years ago is the same application today. The laws of kosher didn't change because of anything of the modern world. Same thing with my Shabbos. Nothing has changed. I observe Shabbos the same way they did 3,000 years ago. Just because we have electricity today, how does that change my observance of rest? I still can't work. So therefore, whatever applied 3,000 years ago, God knew was going to happen in the year 2020. Nothing has changed. But I love that you asked that question because this is where many minds of many people are delving in today. Why go with something that is 3,000 years old when we're living in a modern world with a whole new type of thinking? And the answer to that question is, if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. Judaism has withstand the test of time perfectly. And it will be the same Judaism even 3,000 years from now, with no matter what inventions they came out with. Principles never change. Kosher, Shabbos, never change. I love your question. Rihanna, man, you're really thinking deep. I love it. Thanks, Rabbi. For the final question, what if the COVID-19 vaccine turned out to be not kosher? Additionally, what would you do if a life-saving or preventative measure at all for any vaccine or any life-threatening virus turned out to be not kosher? What would a mensch do? Great question. First of all, I can inject something unkosher into me because it, the forbiddenness is eating something unkosher. So if, it's in, if I'm injecting something that comes from an unkosher animal, etc., it's DNA, whatever it is, it's not a problem. In fact, People have asked the question, could a person have a baboon heart in the days when they would go and have heart transplants? Could a Jew take a baboon heart when a baboon's not kosher? Yeah, you're not eating the heart. Kosher is all about intake, uh, eating. Let me tell you a story. When I was a kid, I was very sick. And the doctors needed, the doctor, Dr. Schneider, I remember Dr. Schneider, he lived on President Street. And Dr. Schneider told my parents, that your son 
just needs to build up the system. You need to have a tonic. And when we looked at the ingredients, it said the word liver. So my father, being a religious man, said to me, okay, take the time. I said, no, it's not kosher. He said, you can have it. I said, dad, you can't. So what happened was we called the head rabbi, the head bastard. My father called the big, big rabbi of the Supreme Court of the area. And he said, my son doesn't want to eat the tonic. The doctor said he has to have it, but it'll save his life. I said, no, I can't have it. It says liver. I was maybe seven, eight years old. The rabbi said to me, God doesn't want you dying. And if he gives you your healing through unkosher food, then you must take it. When I heard that, I go, wow, that made sense. God gave me whatever sickness. And if this is what I need for healing, that's the way I have to do it. I opened my mouth. I said, and I drank it. And I never, I never had a guilt. I never felt bad ever since. So if anybody asked me, Rabbi, did you ever eat anything on kosher? Nah, you know what? Thank God I've been healthy. I never had to be part of that again. But yeah, you're never allowed to question. What be if you're on a deserted island and you're dying? And all of a sudden you see a lizard going by. Yeah, you're allowed to eat the lizard. What am I supposed to do? Because God said you have to live by his religion, not die because of his religion. So if I'm going to die from starvation, and there's a lot of unkosher food, even pork, I got to keep my life alive. And then when I get off the island, I'll go to the kosher restaurant on Pico Boulevard, and I'll have a nice rest. <laughs> Great question. You guys are really thinking up stuff every single week. Man, you guys are good. Thank you. Welcome back to the final segment where I always like giving a story, a, a, a lesson, something that you should think about for the rest of the week. You know, the Torah tells us, God says, that we must love a fellow as we love ourselves. And if you look around these days, there's a lot of people disagreeing with each other. Oh, we're fighting about this. We're fighting about that. I don't disagree with this. I don't disagree with you about that. And we're losing. I don't want to talk to you because you don't fit into my political party. You don't fit into because you're not my baseball team. You're not my basketball team. You don't agree with me with this. You don't agree with that. You think that we should be doing it. And everybody's fighting with each other. And we're losing friends. I hear people, they're taking people off Instagram, blocking people from Twitter. They're, 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 they're dropping names on Facebook. What's going on? When God said to love a fellow as yourself, you don't always agree with yourself. You are sometimes saying to yourself, I should do it like this, but I ended up doing it like that. It's okay to disagree with people. In fact, if you agree with everybody all the time, it shows you don't have much of a backbone. It's okay to stand up for your own thoughts. But God does say you must be there for the next person. If you hate somebody because they have a political affiliation, and if you saw them with a flat tire, with a banner of their candidate, which you drive by, if you do, you're not a mensch. A mensch recognizes, I can disagree with you from today until tomorrow. A mensch makes sure 
I'm always there for you. We're losing that in this country. You and I who are listening to this podcast, let's change that one person at a time. Anybody who you disagree with, make sure you work with them and stand by them when they need your help. This was a beautiful week. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. May God bless America. May God bless each and every one of us. And just remember, during the week, you're going to have a lot of things to make choices on. Make the right choice and be a mensch. God bless you all.